Hello and welcome to Light Body Radio. I am your host, Dr. Lara May. I am a clinical pharmacist, Reiki master, and intuitive integrative health coach. As a health coach, I provide a safe, supportive process for aligning your dreams with your intentions. I will guide you to take small right action toward reaching your goals every week. Let's turn your vision into your reality today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Light Body Radio. I am your host, Dr. Lara May. And today I want to talk to you about intermittent fasting. Again, this is probably something you've heard of through um, different buzzwords or different online media outlets, or maybe you've heard your friends talking about this, you know, new thing that they're trying. So I really want to give you a rundown of what is intermittent fasting and do you think it could be something right for you? So you're probably wondering, like, how could be starvation? How could starvation be good for me? Because fasting is starvation, right? And I want to clear up that myth straight away. Fasting does not mean starving yourself. And um, fasting as defined in the dictionary is the voluntary abstention from eating for spiritual religious reasons or health reasons or any other reason you find um, pertinent to your life. Starvation, in contrast, is death caused by hunger. So as you can see, just by their very definition, they're two different things. So now you're probably wondering, uh, how can this fasting improve my health? So I'll try to make this as simple as possible, but there are several factors to it. And so when you eat carbs or protein, Insulin is secreted from your pancreas for the purpose of either immediate energy usage or storage. Either storing sugar in the liver in the form of glycogen or producing fat, which is also a storage mechanism. When you fast, you stop taking in food, your insulin levels drop, and your body burns that stored sugar source, whether it's the glycogen or the fat. And so in order of which will be first, your body will go through the glycogen first, and then it'll go to the fat stores after your glycogen is all used up. And so at this point, once you get to your body burning fat for fuel, you become what um, we call in the functional medicine world, a fat burner. And so um, I want to go quickly over what is a sugar burner versus a fat burner. So most of us these days are actually sugar burners, unfortunately, meaning that your body seeks out sugar as its primary fuel source before anything else. And being a sugar burner means that your body needs more and more insulin and it'll hold on to more and more fat. And this will in turn make your body fat percentage higher and also will lead to eventually insulin resistance and or glucose intolerance whichever way you prefer to say it, and then eventually diabetes if it continues to go unchecked for a really long time. So none of that is good. But what are the signs that you are a sugar burner? The first one may be that you rarely feel satisfied after eating a meal, even if you're stuffed and bloated and uncomfortable, but you're not satisfied. You may snack throughout the day, 
even if you've resolved to, quote, stop eating so much, if you try to go four to six hours without eating, you'll feel lethargic and moody. Uh, maybe you'll get a headache or sometimes at the worst, you could feel dizzy. All of these are signs that your um, blood sugar has dropped and therefore your body is requiring that sugar to keep going with its normal metabolic functions. Possibly you also get hangry. I know several people in my life that get hangry and I have even uh, definitely guilty of this, but I have... Um, converted myself over to being a fat burner. And I can tell you that I'm much happier and I'm much more even keeled now that my body is not requiring uh, the sugar and doing the crazy ups and downs all the time. So hangry, if you're not familiar, is a word that just means you're irritable when you're hungry or, if you've, or you're irritable when you've been without food for quote too long. So you can also crave carbs, specifically empty sugar carbs like pasta, bread, dessert, candy, etc. And when you eat less sugar, you get cranky, moody, headachy, um, and all of those things sort of like going through withdrawal. You also could possibly have stubborn belly fat, meaning that when you lose weight in other areas, the extra weight around your middle doesn't budge. So these are all signs and symptoms of being a sugar burner. On the opposite end of the spectrum is being a fat burner. When you have a fat adapted metabolism, you still burn carbs as fuel first, but your carb sources are slow carbs like veggies, quinoa, legumes, and your body quickly starts to burn fat for energy a lot more, a lot faster than when your body is solely dependent on sugar. And that's one thing I didn't say earlier is if your body, um, if you're a sugar burner, then even after you've burned through your glycogen, a lot of times your body will then go over to protein and start breaking that down because it's a lot easier, metabolically speaking, to get sugar out of protein than it is to get sugar out of fat. So um, being a fat burner just means that your body goes to your fat stores a lot quicker than it does if you're a sugar burner. So fat burners can easily go four to six hours without eating and don't suffer from the sugar or the carb cravings or the hangriness or the headaches or any of those other what we call low blood sugar symptoms. They also lose fat a lot easier and have more steady energy throughout the day. So they don't have to resort to those extra caffeine bumps as often in the late afternoon, or they don't have to eat every two to three hours just to keep their energy levels up. So um, since we're talking about um, blood sugar and insulin, let's talk about a little bit more of the benefits of having lower insulin levels. So we've covered the difference between starvation and fasting, and we've covered the difference between fat burners and sugar burners. So now let's dig a little deeper into the benefits beyond being a fat burner. If you are not a diabetic, even though your insulin levels fall below your blood glucose fall, Sorry, let me start over. <laughs> Even if you're not a diabetic, your insulin levels will fall and remain in safe range while fasting due to breaking down glycogen. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. When you're fasting, your insulin levels will naturally fall but still remain within a safe range because of your body's glycogen stores or the place where they store where your body stores a glycogen or glucose for easy access. Okay, 
Regularly lowering your insulin helps your body to resensitize to insulin, staving off the development of diabetes and a multitude of other inflammatory diseases. So it's really important for our cells in our body to be sensitive to insulin because the insulin grabs the sugar out of the bloodstream and takes it around the body to be used. And if our body is not sensitive, if our insulin is not sensitive, then it won't grab the sugar and that's why our blood sugar increases. And if it stays too high for too long, then that's where diabetes comes in. So another effect of lower insulin is the release of excess salt and water. Much of the weight loss people experience is in the early stages of fasting is water weight from the diuresis because it's your body letting go of the excess salt and water that it's been storing. Because if you're not aware, the molecule that bonds all the fat together is water molecules. So as you burn that, then water is released. This loss of excess salt and water could also help lower your, your blood pressure if you're one of these people, um, the very many people that suffer from a higher than healthy blood pressure. Most people expect to feel tired and sluggish and crappy while fasting, but actually just the opposite happens. Once you get through the initial adjustment stage, then your um, what can also be called the um, sugar detox hangover or um, fasting flu. There's lots of names for it, but most people will feel alert and energized and revitalized. And this is because the energy is now coming from the fat that's being burned instead of just burning food and then your sugar stores. And also, in order to release the stored glycogen, your body also has to release adrenaline. So this adrenaline release increases our metabolism and makes us feel stimulated. All, all of these great benefits, right? So now let's get into how you actually do this fasting thing. Most traditional fasting allows for calorie-free liquids, and these include um, coffee and tea with no honey, no sugar, no milk, anything like that. And um, personally, I like to follow what's called the intensive dietary management fasting. And this allows for all of the um, aforementioned liquids, but also for bone broth. So um, when I do this, I'm still getting a protein source. And um, if there's any residual fat left over in the bone broth, my body is getting that as well. So but um, for our purposes today, I'm just going to cover intermittent fasting, which just means that fasting periods happen regularly around normal eating periods. So again, just to be clear, intermittent fasting just means that it's fasting that happens regularly, which could mean daily and around your normal eating periods. So one key component to this is staying well hydrated. You really need to drink at least, as, assuming that your kidneys are healthy, like you're not a dialysis patient or anything, you need to drink at least two liters of water and other fluids daily. And it's a good overall practice to start every day with a glass of warm lemon water. It really helps the body to flush itself out first thing in the morning. And if you're really adventurous or um, you like to have that nice morning detox and pH rebalancing, you can add a little apple cider vinegar in it in the morning. 
And um, again, no artificial sweeteners. So part of this process is going to be resensitizing yourself to sweet, which means taking away all the extra sweet. Throughout the day, green tea is a great choice because not only does it have some caffeine, so it'll help prevent you from getting those caffeine withdrawal headaches that can be so painful. Um, it can also, green tea also helps suppress your appetite, which will, of course, will be helpful when you're fasting. Herbal teas are also awesome to do. And if you have any cinnamon, cinnamon helps regulate your blood sugar, along with ginger and mint teas are also known for their anti-inflammatory and digestive properties and healing effects. So those are also nice. And adding a small amount of um, a very, very, very small amount of non-dairy milk is okay. But again, do not use any extra sugar or artificial sweeteners. And don't do this all day long. Just do it like if you're going to add in the non-dairy milk, maybe just in the morning. If you're, you know, if you like to have coffee, but a black coffee is too rough on your stomach, then it's okay. But I would really, the point is to really like reset your system. And again, like we don't want to starve ourselves, but the more sugar, possible sugar sources you give, which again, can come from protein too, the more, the harder that'll, that a final reset will be. So um, if you're finding, if you've already tried fasting, but you're, you're finding your progress slow, then eliminating um, some of these extra liquids will probably be first on your list to go. Um, something I like to do, um, and when I first started fasting, this really helped me because uh, I really like bulletproof coffee. And if you're not familiar with what bulletproof coffee is, it is um, fat source. So MCT oil or um, coconut oil blended with uh, a, like a spoonful of ghee into black coffee. And it gives you a lot, it gives you a fat source. So it gives your body some nutrition, but your body doesn't have any sugar, nor does it have any protein to go through, go to from those um, sources. So it just pops you right into fat burning. Um, I really like that. And I still um, have bulletproof coffee in the morning a lot. And it really helps me to get through um, to that next mealtime, whenever that um, might be. And when I was, and when I do intermittent fasting, I usually like to abstain from breakfast and just have the bulletproof coffee. And then I will eat my first meal around lunchtime. And then I'll have my second meal at dinner. And then um, uh, the fast continues from there. So we'll talk about the fasting timeframes in a minute. But that was just sort of like what ended up being like my go to regimen. So um, also too, on the resources page, I have all of this spelled out. I have links. I have a link to a Bulletproof Coffee recipe if you're interested in trying that. Um, I have resources, like there's a, there's a great book out there by Dr. Fong, F-O-N-G, and he really goes into a lot of depth and he uses intermittent fasting therapeutically with his diabetes patients. And he has been able to reverse the type 2 diabetes in a lot of his patients by doing medically supervised intermittent fasting. I want to stress that medically supervised intermittent fasting. If you have any sort of metabolic disorder, 
you're on any sort of blood glucose medication, do not try this on your own. Especially don't do it and keep taking your medication because that'll be a recipe for probably an ER visit that you don't want is totally unnecessary. But if you are interested, then um, I would suggest finding a functional medicine practitioner to help you. Um, Or if you want to, you can always email me and I can help you find a practitioner in your area that can guide you through this process. Or if you live in my area, I'd be happy to guide you through the process. So um, it's possible, again, if you're diabetic, but you should not do it unsupervised. So, okay, back to the beef of, or the meat or the fat of this podcast. Essentially, the NCT fats, so the medium chain triglycerides or the, um, what is, primarily in coconut oil, Um, these fats that you add to the coffee provide a sugar-free fuel, like I said before, and jumps your body into ketosis. And then finally, and I can talk about ketosis. I think I've talked about ketosis in another episode, so I'll just give you a brief breakdown. So, So there's a difference between diabetic ketoacidosis, which is considered to be a medical emergency, and the process of ketosis. Those are two different things. So if you know anything about the Adkins diet or keto, ketogenic style of eating, those both use ketosis. And again, you're burning fat for its fuel source and that fuel source are going to be ketones. And so that's a very brief um, explanation. If you want more, I can totally do a whole nother episode on ketosis. And I actually think I have one of those coming up on my list of things to do is to do um, a whole episode on ketosis and to dive deeper into that. So uh, finally, just to bounce around a lot on this episode, (laughs) I hope you're still with me. Bone broth is another liquid that um, while allowed in fasting, Um, Homemade is best, but it has so many healthy benefits. It is really anti-inflammatory and soothing to your system. Um, And if you don't have the time or the resources to make your own, there are some great products on Amazon out there. Just make sure you're consuming real bone product, not just the bullion. Um, The bullions are usually made with MSG and artificial flavors. And so not that you want a real bone product because from this bone broth, you're getting minerals and micronutrients, a small amount of protein, a good amount of collagen, which is great for healing and your skin and your eyes and your hair and your nails and It will really help your fasting be more bearable. Um, So it can really just alleviate those hunger pangs that um, are normal for us to have. But also, um, if you're you're making your own bone broth, then you'd want to make sure you're adding a high quality sea salt or a Himalayan salt to also prevent any electrolyte imbalances because Again, when we're fasting, our body is releasing salt and releasing water that it's been holding on to. So one of the things that could cause you some cravings and then even some possible bad side effects like headaches and cramps is a salt or electrolyte imbalances. So you want to make sure that you're adding salt into, if you're just drinking warm water, add salt into that. If you're having the bow broth, add salt into that. Now, I mean, good quality salt. 
You want something that is raw, unprocessed. You do not want the little um, container that has the girl with the umbrella on it. That is like the worst possible thing. That's the worst possible salt you can do. So find some good quality salt, Himalayan or sea salt, and make sure you're adding that into uh, the liquids that you're consuming to prevent dehydration, hunger pangs, and other electrolyte imbalance symptoms. So as for everything else in the wellness world, there is no absolute perfect way. And of course, there is no one size fits all. So like most things that I talk about on this uh, podcast and in my practice, I encourage you to experiment. See what works best for you. See what your day is like. See what your schedule is like, what your family dynamic is like. All of these things will impact how you choose to implement fasting into your daily routine, weekly routine, monthly routine, whatever it comes out to be. So fasting can range from 12 hours to three months. Now, again, I do not support prolonged fasting without medical supervision. So if you are curious or you have a metabolic disorder and you think that fasting could benefit this, uh, the healing process, then I really strongly suggest that you find a uh, medical practitioner that is experienced in the medical supervision of fasting. So you can fast once a week or every other day or once a month or once a weekend, whatever suits your needs and your result goals. So um, during the fasting that I'm talking about, you will still be eating daily. Okay, yay, everybody gets to eat today. <laughs> so that's awesome. So the um, time frames, a 12 hour fast, which means you eat three meals from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., for example, and then you fast from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So you're 12 hours without eating. That's a 12-hour fast. And these 12-hour um, fasts are great for preventing insulin resistance, but they may not be enough to produce weight loss if weight loss is your goal. So the next one, which is the one that I ultimately practice um, that I like the best for me personally, is the 16-hour fast. And that gives you an eight-hour eating window. So you get to eat two to three times within that eight hours, and then you remain fasting for 16 hours. And um, one thing to always keep in mind, regardless of whatever time frame you're doing, that your sleep time counts as fast. So you're using your sleep to your advantage. So in the 16-hour model, you skip, you either skip breakfast or dinner, and then of course your sleep time is included into your fasting block of time. And um, like I mentioned before, what I would do is I would have my bulletproof coffee for my quote unquote breakfast, but that would still be considered fasting. And then I would eat food for lunch and dinner, and then I would have my sleep time. But if you're one of these types of people that wakes up absolutely ravenous for something to eat in the morning, then by all means, eat your breakfast and eat your lunch, and then skip dinner. Have some sort of bone broth for dinner or some, some sort of nutritious liquid for dinner, but that still counts as your fasting time. And again, if weight loss is your goal, then when you eat during these times that you are allowed to eat, make sure that it's low carb, mild amount of protein, high and good fat, and this is designed to keep your body using fat for its fuel. 
because remember protein equals glucose in the end when it comes down to our metabolism so um, you want to make sure you have enough protein but don't overdo it on the protein and make sure you have plenty of high quality fats um, to keep your body and your metabolism going the next one is a 20-hour fast, so that gives you a four-hour eating window. And again, you just have all of your meals within this four-hour time frame. And it's similar to what we just talked about, but your eating window is shorter. And then one more little tidbit is due to circadian rhythms, our hunger is normally lowest, just as an FYI, around 8 a.m., and it's normally highest around 8 p.m. So for a lot of us, it's probably going to feel natural to skip breakfast and eat dinner. But again, everyone's different. So I know my husband is one of these people that wakes up super hungry first thing in the morning. He cannot skip breakfast. <laughs> so I would not recommend him fasting the same way that I fast. Nor would I do that for any of you out there. So you have to figure out what works well for you and all of the other aspects of your life. Um, so, but also that should be said that fasting is not for everyone and it's not a one size fits all. Children, pregnant and breastfeeding women should not fast. If you're already underweight and malnourished, you should not fast. If you fall under the following parameters, then you should seek medical advice prior to starting your fast. So if you have gout, if you're taking any medications for any chronic disease, then I always recommend that you um, seek medical advice from your practitioner or a practitioner that you trust, even if it's not the practitioner that prescribed the medication for you. If you have diabetes or if you have GERD, which is gastroesophageal reflux disease um, or heartburn in plain English, um, you always want to seek medical advice before you start your fast. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means that you shouldn't do it without supervision and advice, uh, close, close monitoring. So I hope this has cleared up some of your questions that you might have heard surrounding fasting. Again, I personally have found that anywhere between the 16 and 20 hour fasts are the most productive for me. And, um, you know, I originally, just as a little side note, I started fasting not to lose weight, but because I was having really bad brain fog. And that's one of the things that I still enjoy about fasting is that while I'm in a fasting state, those ketones kick in and my brain is on and I am focused and I'm able to concentrate. And so that's really what I prefer about it. And if I happen to slim down a little bit in the process, that's fine too. But, um, if I've stirred up some more questions than answers, that's great too. Make sure you leave me your questions and comments below or on my Facebook page or anywhere else you can find me on social media. I would love to hear about your past experiences and your questions and your comments. So if you want to hear more about any other specific aspects about nutrition or a lifestyle or anything else, you can always email me at laramay at drlaramay.com. If you have any questions that you don't want to the public, you can always email me in confidence. Um, I, also, I always respect my client's confidence. And I think that fasting is a great complement to um, the upcoming holiday season indulgences. I know it's October, but the holiday season's coming. So um, maybe keep that in mind because it can really help keep your insulin in check. It can help stave off brain fog, like I mentioned. And um, if you want to try intermittent fasting, but would like a little guide to help you along the way, um, 
I designed a little handout that is um, attached to my blog post that I wrote about intermittent fasting. So on the resources page on my website, which is drlaramay.com forward slash lightbodyradio, you'll go to the intermittent fasting episode. And in there, I will have a link to the blog post that I wrote, which outlines everything. And then it also has a one page quick reference guide for you as well. Um, So that is super handy. And I think that's all I have for today. If I would love to hear from you. Um, Oh, I'll also have all the resources that I used for coming up with this episode, writing the blog cat, writing the blog post, and how I designed my own intermittent fasting program. So I hope you have a fabulous day. And I look forward to hearing from you. And I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.